Open your Bibles, James chapter 1, James chapter 1. We continue our series, A Faith That Works. We are now at sermon number 5, the first four sermons, Joy When It's Tough, Wisdom What We Desperately Need, The Uplifting Paradox of Possessions, and The Truth About Temptation. Today, our God is good. Now, I want you to know, James has been kicking me in the shin, stepping on my toes, getting me in a headlock. I mean, I said this last week, what in the world was I thinking when I picked James? Well, it really wasn't me thinking, it was the Holy Spirit saying, this is where we need to go. So, okay, here we are. But I do want you to know there's more coming. 59 imperatives in 108 verses. So there's more coming. But praise the Lord, today we get a kind of a respite. There's only one imperative in the three verses that I'm going to read, that we're going to read, and you can put on a happy face. These verses are are incredible, and the title of the message is, Our God is Good. Is that true? Is it? Yeah. Who said that all the time? God is good all the time. Well, what about when your health falls apart? What about when your spouse dies or your child dies? What about when your spouse leaves you or your child rebels? What about when you lose your job? What about when a loved one dies in a tragic accident? What about when you, when you lose an election? <laughs> well, we've all been there back and forth on that one a time or two, I'm sure. Is God still good? The recipients of this epistle are scattered throughout the Roman Empire primarily because of persecution. They are Jewish believers. They've lost their homes. Their families are divided. They have a hard time finding work because when it becomes known they're Christians, no one wants to hire them. They they are kicked out of the synagogue, which in those days was the focal point, the center of Jewish society was the synagogue, and to be put out of the synagogue was a fate like unto death itself. They were primarily poor, and they were enduring trials. James speaks of those in verses 2 through 4. You remember, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, is God good all the time or just some of the time? These are three refreshing verses. Let's read them. Stand with me, please. Three verses, then you can sit back down. Verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly, the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You may be seated. I believe God is good, and I believe God is good all the time. But I am a sinful man, and those words should not roll off my lips glibly. I mean it, and I want to mean it even when I struggle to say it. Look at my blessings. Look at your blessings. Am I grateful 
or am I not? Verse 16, the one imperative in these verses, do not be deceived. In the face of trials, in the face of temptations, in every circumstance of life, do not be deceived into believing that God is not good, that God does not know, or that God does not care. Now, there are four things that I want to say about God in these verses. And so the first is this, God is personal. Look at verse 17, God is personal. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who gives to us personally, God is personal and you can know him. Does that ever absolutely boggle your mind? That God, the God of the universe, would deign to know you and me personally. Any good thing, any wholesome thing originates only in God. Now that doesn't mean that bad or wicked or sinful or lost people can't do good things or give good things. But understand that the origin of all of those good things is found in God according to the scripture. God has a deep and abiding interest in every single one of us. God loves to give to us. He is constantly giving us good and perfect gifts. Now, in, in this God is personal, there, there are two things that I, I want us to know about God being personal from these verses. And the first is this. He gives to bless. He gives in order to bless. There are two different words in the original language, two different words for the word gift. You could literally say, if you wanted to literally translate this, it would be every good gift and every perfect gift. And I think some translations say that. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. The first word for gift speaks of the act of giving. Every act of giving that has good intentions, that is designed to help and to bless, is from God. The second word for gift refers to the gift itself. Every gift that is given to us that is good is from God. God is personal. He gives to bless. And the second thing that he does is his, in regard to gifts, is his gifts are good. His gifts are good. So God is personal. He gives to bless and his gifts are good. Perfect, the text says. Therefore, there is no evil, even remotely. God's gifts have nothing in them to cause us grief, sorrow, or hurt. Coming down from the Father. And that is a present participle, which simply means it's continually coming. Somebody's turned on the faucet and it's rolling out. It keeps on coming. I know this time of year when I get in the shower, I don't want to get out. I just love the shower. We got a new shower head a few months ago. It is wonderful. I get in the shower and I absolutely love it. And I want to stay there and just keep that water, keep that water coming. I told Sharon not too long ago when we, when our hot water heater goes out and you know, they always do at some point. When the hot water, hot water heater goes out, I want to, I want to look into getting one of those, what do you call it, where the instant hot water things? I don't know, I don't really know how it works and I sure don't know how much it costs, but I'm sure going to look into it. 
But she said, I don't think so. And I said, why not, baby? And she said, I'd never get you out of the shower. So, <clears throat> you know, the only reason I get out now is I know if I stay much longer, there won't be any hot water for her, and that wouldn't be a good thing. So, but God has turned on the faucet of blessing, and it is a continuous stream. That's what the text says. God never stops giving to us or blessing us. Every minute of good health, Every Texas sunrise and sunset, every beauty that is found in creation, every friendship, every job, every God-honoring song like those that we sang and heard this morning, God is giving to us as a gift. It is a gift of God to us. The smile of a child is a gift of God. His word is a gift of God. His church is a gift to us. A personal God is continually pouring out to us. Do we see it? Do you see it? God owes me nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Everything that blesses my life is from Him. So I encourage us together, let's not forget that let's not forget to say thank you let's let's not be overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face and some of them are monumental i know let's not be overwhelmed by them but stay strong in our faith don't be don't be totally self-focused but turn and look out and and see the big picture that God has given to us. Philip Yancey, the great writer, and and so I, yesterday I rarely look at Facebook. I looked at it yesterday. My brother-in-law had put a quote from Philip Yancey on his site, and I thought, man, I'm going to use that, brother-in-law. I'll have to call him and tell him. Philip Yancey wrote this: Jesus forgave a thief dangling on a cross, knowing full well the thief had converted out of plain fear. That thief would never study the Bible. He would never attend a synagogue or a church. And he would never make amends to those he had wronged. He simply said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus promised, today you will be with me in paradise. It was another shocking reminder That grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather on what God has done for us. And our God is a personal God. And He gives and He gives and He gives to us. Now that leads us to the second thing about God. God does not change. If you look at the second part of verse 17, He does not, He does not change like shifting Shadows. God does not change. Theologians call that immutable God. Immutable simply meaning God doesn't change. For the recipients of this epistle, this was exhilarating news because many of, uh, of, of the Jews of that day were caught in the vortex of extreme pharisaical legalism. And then the Gentiles lived in a world supposedly governed by the Roman gods. And if you know anything about mythology, you know that the gods were capricious. 
that they would change their minds on a whim and the people couldn't trust them. Of course, they didn't exist, but they thought they did. And what a re- what refreshing news it must have been to hear about a God who does not change like shifting shadows. What was true then is no less true in 2019. Do we understand what that means? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means that the way of life everlasting never changes. It means the way of salvation, the way to heaven never changes. You don't have to worry about going to bed tonight believing you're saved. Wake up in the morning only to find that God has changed the guidelines. No, God never changes. No one is moving the goalposts. Our God does not change. His word never changes. What was true in the first century is true today. The word of God does not change. And those in our world today who are playing around with the word of God and changing its meaning had best be careful. The word does not change. Now, here's what I want to say about his immutability. Three things. First of all, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. God will do what God wants to do in keeping with his his word, his will, what's for his glory and what is best for the kingdom and for us. God, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The God of Moses, Daniel, Esther, Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Paul is our God. God does not change. Second thing that I want to say about that is, is he is reliable. He is reliable. By nature, God cannot change. And by nature, he is reliable. He keeps his word. Therefore, we can come to him at any time without fear. He will never turn you away. He is not fickle. He is not unpredictable. He is without shadow. Shadows move. God does not. And when the sun is in eclipse, the sun has not failed to shine. Something has come between the sun and our ability to see it. And it's the same with God When his light to you or me seems hidden, the fault is not his. Something has come between us and him. There is no shadow of turning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, the last thing that I want to say about God being unchangeable is he's gracious. He is gracious. When we think we deserve his blessing, we think a bit too highly of ourselves. He is gracious in all that he gives. It is by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now, here's the third thing that I want to say about, the te- about God in the text. God provides the greatest gift. You see it in verse 18. Salvation. God provides the greatest gift. The greatest thing that ever happened to any of us is the gift of salvation. Its origin is found in him. He chose to give it. The word of truth, that phrase word of truth in verse 18, the word of truth, you are saved when the word of truth comes alive in you. Paul put it this way in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word about Christ. The word of truth, the word about 
Christ. And he uses the word first fruits, double meaning. You know, first fruits like it's a first fruit of the of, of the fruit trees, the very first or the first fruits of the crops and those belong to God. They were given to God. So he says we're a kind of first fruits. Well, that has a double meaning. First of all, first fruits means when we are saved, there are more to follow. When we are saved, there are more to follow. And the second meaning of first fruits is we belong totally to God. We belong totally to God. We are set apart for Him. I, I remember 1 Corinthians, you can write this down, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, he says. So, God provides the greatest gift, the greatest thing that ever happened to anybody in this room is the gift of salvation. Now, here's the fourth thing about God, and then we're done. Number four, God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. So I want to say three things about his trustworthiness. First of all, his goodness is immutable. I had to use that word again. I just wanted to. I wanted you to know that I know what the word means, and I know you know or you knew I like it. Immutable. That sounds good. Meaning what? He is unchanging. God is always good, consistently good, constantly good. He never changes for the worse or for the better because he is already perfectly good every day. And so God is trustworthy. His goodness is immutable, unchanging. Second thing about that trustworthiness His goodness is undeserved. I know I've already said that, but it's so important for us to know that I, that I wanted to say it again. His goodness is undeserved. God chose to give us new life based on His grace. He chose to give us new birth. He chose to take His word and write it in our hearts. This is the gospel. Anything good in you is because of God's goodness to you. He is the source of all that is good. God is trustworthy. His goodness is immutable. His goodness is undeserved. And lastly, His goodness is without end. We're not going to run into a brick wall tomorrow that says, that's it. You've got all the goodness of God you're ever going to get. That's not going to happen. His goodness is without end. His work in our hearts will one day lead us to heaven where there are no more trials or temptation. Take heart, my friends. He has saved us from our sins. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will see us through our current circumstances, whatever they may be or whatever may yet lie before us. He has conquered sin and suffering and death through the death and the resurrection of Jesus so that today you and I can, verse 2, 3, and 4, you and I can consider trials pure joy and face Every temptation with 
full confidence. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. In a moment, Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of a hymn of invitation. This invitation is for you who do not yet know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. The Spirit of God is speaking to your heart this morning, the tugging, wooing, calling, drawing. You know it. And so when we stand and begin to sing, will you come wherever you may be seated Place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's Word and share with you how you today can come into a personal saving relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. For all of us who already know the Lord, let there be rejoicing. Our God does not change. He is faithful. He is good all the time. Father, we thank you for your goodness. I pray now that you would draw someone to yourself this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.